I realized the moment that I turned on my computer that the podcast would not be disrupted as I had planned. It continued broadcasting into that starry expanse of which I only had a fleeting glimpse. I've tried to speculate where I might be downloaded, but I must admit, however, such conjecture is futile. Oh, I have many questions for you, my friend. As you no doubt have for me, perhaps my story is in order. Hello, and welcome to the Intermillennium Media Project, the IMMP. I'm Ian Porter. And I'm Matthew Porter. I'm his son, he's my dad, and I've taken over once again. He has seized control. Yes, and misuse of computer time is part of what we do. (laughs) Because this time, we are venturing into a realm that we haven't done much on the podcast. Video games. And I'm so excited to open up this Pandora's <laughs> box of possibility. A whole new realm of media. We touched upon them with some other properties, like talking about Pokemon movies. Yes. But that's not the same. That's not the same. This is a sit-down physical game. And it's one that I was introduced to by you. Yeah. By me. By you. And, and our, our lovely producer. This is Mist, One of my favorite games of all time. Those, that, that is a strong uh, set of words, given how many games you have played and enjoyed. It is, but I go back to play Myst over and over. And I remember this so deeply because I didn't play it when I first encountered it. Instead, I was a little kid falling asleep to the soundtrack playing from the Windows 98 computer <laughs> that you had in your office that shared a wall with my bed. And so the sounds of this game and the world of this game filtered through and seeped into my dreams. And then I finally got to sit down and play it. It was like coming home to a place I'd never been. And it was amazing. (laughs) We have talked many times about me seeing movies in single digit ages that I should not have seen and and how that did whatever it did to me we're once again seeing glimpses of kind of what helped make you who you are exactly this this is a game which is iconic for the point and click adventure it it was huge it sold huge numbers it was one of the earlier cd games for pcs that was really getting people excited about what you could do in terms of video and you know, rendering 3D graphics that could be shown, not real time, but still frames of graphics that were high for the time and impressive. And it's been released on so many things, but it first released September 24th, 1993. This is only a little bit younger than me. <laughs> and that's wild because I've gotten to watch Mist kind of exist for all of my time. I, when was the first time you played like when did you first hear about this i re- i kind of know when you played but when did you first know of the series i heard about it and read about it fairly early on around when it was released but it was released mac only yeah and i did not have a mac at the time so uh, how the times have changed yes. <laughs> now now i will use a windows computer if i am being paid cash money to do so but at the time i didn't have a mac and And yet I heard about this game and it was fascinating. So as soon as I could, when I had a window, when it was out for Windows and I had a Windows PC that would run it, 
I got a copy of it. So it was probably, I know it was after 1996, so it probably was around 97, 98. Yeah, and that makes sense. It was, it was enough that there was already listings, and I think, I think it's later you know, franchise had been released and such. There was more to it than just the one game, I think, by that point. I remember playing Myst, and I don't think Riven was out yet, but it had been announced and teased a great deal, and I was already seeing ads in Wired Magazine for it. So I might have played Myst for the first time just before Riven came out. Mm. And when did Riven come out? Let me confirm. Uh, oh, yeah. So Riven came out uh, 97. Okay, so it probably was sometime in that 1997 that I played Mist. Okay, so and that makes sense because they they do bleed together for me, but Mist itself is the starting point, oh, and yes. it is actually one that I've played a bunch since then for a variety of reasons. I love both, but we're talking about Mist this time. And it is a point-and-click adventure game originally programmed in HyperCard. Oh, HyperCard. It's like PowerPoint's revved up Super Brother. Oh, it's it's so much more than that. It okay. was a language. It was an environment. HyperCard is one of the things that made me really want to get a Mac because it was one of the things that differentiated Macs. And later on, there were there were things that that kind of did HyperCard type stuff. But it was there were whole magazines and publications that were purpose built around HyperCard at the time. So that, that was such a powerful program, but they were able to build this game in it. And the game consists of still or still images of the environment of the Island of Mist and its connected things with tiny little videos embedded into the images to make movement and animation happen to make the world come alive. As much as they did with Mist, so much of it is is defined by its constraints. Yes. By by what they could reasonably render, how small they could make those images once they were rendered to fit this entire game on one CD, which is kind of amazing. And some of the things they did with the little bits of video they could use to imply a whole lot more than they could actually show on screen. It was just amazing. Absolutely. And Mist is it does a lot of fun with its style. With its world building, because it has that limited thing, it starts you out. You get a video with a guy falling and talking about a book. You click onto the book and click the video playing inside of it, and it just drops you on the dock. And that's all the setup you get. It's like you're here now. There's a boat, or there's part of a boat to your right. There's a small cliff edge to your left. There's a giant gear in front of you. Click. That's what you get. So the very beginning is like, welcome to the world's worst isekai. Yes. Like, well, There is definitely like bits that later on I can look at and say like, oh, wait, this is. This is isekai logic puzzle. The Tempest, isn't it? I love it. <laughs> but when you start out, you have nothing of that. You don't even know why or what. You're just here. And the first part of your game is just figuring out how to go places and what you can do. Yeah, there's zero tutorial. You don't know the control scheme when it comes to being a, a person playing this game. You don't know who you are or what is expected of you as the character. 
Mm-hmm. But the little bits of video you get and the little notes and the fact that apparently in the world of Myst, everyone is in the same way modern video games insist that everyone is always recording all of their whatever into audio cassettes that they'll they will leave scattered amongst their abandoned mansion or scientific lab or scientific lab under a mansion or whatever. The same way those use audio logs, everyone in the world of Myst journals like paper needs to be immediately filled or it is a danger which it kind of is which which got the predictable reaction from me of yes this is how the world should work why haven't video games reflected the real world like this absolutely weird puzzles and everything gets written down yeah that's life and in a wonderful life imitating art you will have to grab a notebook like in all likelihood, and make your own <laughs> notes to play this game. Because it likes to put the answer to something in one corner of a room, and the puzzle that that answer is to be plugged into in the other corner of another room on the other side of an ambiguous distance that involves magical teleportation. And that is one of those things that it's born of the, of the, the constraints that the game had. They couldn't show you on screen you interacting with something and something else moving at the same exact time in response to your interaction. So it enforced that separation, which makes everything a little bit more otherworldly and strange. Yes! It, it lent itself to the, the feeling of mist, the fact that I have to do something here. I know I'm trying to affect something there, but I don't know if what I did was right until I leave here and go there. And it's this weird mix of advanced looking machinery made out of steampunky brass with all sorts of different designs and styles of architecture all throughout it really pulls you in and for some reason it's very tied in my head also with like magic school bus i approached it at the same time so there's this like <laughs> magical education tone that they both have to me that's and really I love cool. That. I never would have thought of that, but it all comes down to what you experienced around the same time. What had it's like, uh, a corresponding impressions on you as a kid? Oh, yeah. The, the school bus can take you anywhere. That makes sense. The books in the giant magical library open up to reveal portals to other worlds full of more thematic puzzles. That makes sense. They've got the tone the same. And that central metaphor of books transport you to another place and time exactly that is just great it's they make it very concrete and that makes it charming and it it does so with they did so much with so little again the sound design things creak water drips the books make a sound that is just like you described in the past there's the whistling ping that sci-fi would use for you <laughs> yes. that you still hear pop up other places the mist linking sound, this whooshing, warbly sound is embedded in my brain, and I love it. I made it my alert tone on my phone for a while, but I realized I was jumping with so much excitement, even at plain texts, I stopped it. And there's something about the use of sound in general in mist that's fascinating, because until then... I don't think that I at least had played a video game in which sound was such an important component of the gameplay. 
Like sound is conveying really important information without which you really can't solve a puzzle. <laughs> sound was there. There was sound in video games. You know, it was usually things like eight or 16 bit electronic music in the background as opposed to recorded sound clips that were integral to getting the game and playing it. Mm -hmm. And sound is a major part of how they get to tell the story with only small video clips of rough video footage of people. They use the sound and the audio that people talk to you with when they can or recordings a lot more. And this is kind of where my, my best point to be able to talk about the story as much as the story is, it's there, but it's very sparsely scattered and has to be pieced together quite literally. Right. I think there are some games, especially more recent games, in which the game is a framework on which a story is then hung. In Myst, it's that the story is this sparse framework that gives an excuse for the scope and complexity of this game. Absolutely. Because early on, in Mist, you you find the red book and the blue book. And it immediately teaches you what your goal is, because next to each of them is a single colored page. And when you open the book, you get nothing. But the moment you click the page, it shows it in your hand on the little icon, the cursor. Oh, I can pick things up. I can pick things up. Okay. What if I click the red page on the red book? And suddenly you get a video inside. Of a man trying to call out for help. And that was so fascinating. When we see a video and it's a person, even though we haven't been in the game very long at that point, everything we have seen is so empty and sparse and deserted. Seeing the face of another person, even if it's through static inside a magic book, it's like <gasps> there's this slight feeling of relief and elation of, oh, there's a person I can interact with. And there's something about the classical style and the bigger stage-like acting they kind of give sometimes in their performance yes. in these tiny videos. It adds this classic edge and this grandeur to all these small moments. And this is also, you can, I could almost in my mind hear the little ding as uh, young Ian's love of full motion video in <laughs> video games. Like a rose from that moment oh, of yes. putting a page into a book. And they really are small. It's like you've got a big book in which a small postcard has been pasted, and that postcard is the video. Because they were working with QuickTime. Oh, goodness, QuickTime. And you couldn't have large videos or yeah. videos of any great length very easily. No, so these are short, but they're, they're bold and they're, they're small even inside the image, which means they always have context. Yes. It's rare that a video in Mist fills the frame. It's always a screen in the world. It always kind of has to, it's forced to contextualize itself by the constraints of the programs they're using. Yes. The pictures in the books are, are almost the one time when you actually get, here's a video, as opposed to using video as a component in a larger image. Exactly. But there's the red book that does that, and the blue book does the same thing with a different person. And that's where the setup becomes. You explore the island and find all of these grand structures on the island contain puzzles that lead to books. And those books take you to other worlds, other ages, as they get called in the game, 
and in those ages are more puzzles, usually of a type to the one that you solved to get there. Kind of a themed level system. It's not too complex in terms of that. It's, you know, oh, do I want the math puzzles or the sound puzzles or the what? Follow one of these. They're yeah. all on a theme. But once you get through that, you're always given the chance to choose if you're getting a red or a blue page. There's a puzzle that will lead you down one path or a puzzle that will lead you down another. And you can choose which one and bring a page back for whoever you decided to help. And they are not mutually exclusive because you can, once you come back with the red page, you can choose to go back and get the blue page and bring that back. So you don't have to make a choice up front as to which of these people in the books you're trying to help. Exactly. And they do want your help. Some of the, the about the only thing you can really make out from what they're saying the first time you see them is I need more red pages or please gather me more blue, blue pages. pages. Yeah. Um, and as you go, as you bring them more, the connection gets clearer and they can talk to you more. They start, oh, thank you, my friend. Can you get me more red pages? And then continue to bring me them, but don't bring any blue pages to my brother. And suddenly, oh, I haven't just helped one. I'm choosing one of the like they start to like belittle each other and fight. There is a conflict, and the, and the more, the better you tune them in with more pages, the more detail of that you get. But we're not just going to random places. We're going to places that these characters have been. And so we see their rooms. We see the places where they had projects, where they had plans. We get to see their offices and bedrooms and everything else. And we start to learn about these people just by environmental storytelling. And do they come out and say which room belongs to whom? No. I didn't think so. We have to sort of intuit that and, and figure that out based upon what, we've, what little we've learned of these people based upon their appearance and the few words we can make out. Oh, this must be that guy's room. And this other one, well, that's clearly the other guy's room. The closest we get is the fact that the red page is in one type of room and the blue page is in the other. The, oh, that, the, that's true. The we location that. of their pages is always in the room associated with them. Yes, yeah, so that almost does like, confirm it. Yeah. Almost, they were, they, and they seem put there. Not just randomly, but like, they, like someone went to this place and put a page relating to this right. person in the place of that person. But we learn about Cirrus and Akinar, these two characters, and those are our only points of contact for so long. But there's some notes from a third person named Atris. And so there's this thread of following Atris and this person who apparently this was his library. But we're, we're learning about and following Cirrus and Akinar and kind of seeing who they who they were. And most of the books in this library have been burnt. Yes. There are just a few that have readable fragments and this blue and red book. Exactly. These books. This is a destroyed library. Something like you come into the middle of a place that is in lockdown, pretty much. All the puzzles to keep these portals are closed. The library has been burnt. And these two people are trapped. And so you're presented with a place that you are having to open up in order to find anything out about. And everything is so still. Mm -hmm. Now that 
again, is an artifact of the fact that they were using pre-rendered images for these and adding some sound effects. But everything is so still and desolate. There's very little sense as to how long things have been this way. But there's overall a sense that it may have been a long, long time. Yes. And the guys in the books talk about, they, they don't know how long they've been imprisoned in these books, but it's been a terribly long time. And, and it's a good thing my brother is imprisoned in his book, but I'm innocent. So please bring me more blue pages or red pages, whoever you're talking to. Mm-hmm. My brother is evil. Bring me pages and free me. And in the very end, they, record, they tell you to go someplace and you find a third book and a last page of each. There's a green book. <laughs> oh, spoilers for a game that is decades old. Spoilers for a game that's <laughs> decades old. Yes, there is a green book. But I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to say... <laughs> What happens if you give them any either of the last pages? You get the bad ending. Just spoilers right out here. Neither are good. Yeah, there are a few bad endings in this. There's a few bad endings. Also, if you haven't figured it out by that point, yeah, one guy's rooms are full of gold and treasure and a remarkable amount of drugs. <laughs> and the other guy's rooms are full of, well... Let's just call it what it is. Extreme torture devices yes. and a lot of very violent weapons. Neither of these are good people. And it kind of comes to light that they're both to blame. The brothers are allies. They were they were they both burned down this library and they each got trapped separately. And all you were there is the method of their final double cross to one another. And double crossing you in the process. Yes. Yes, of course, all along they're saying, yes, please help me, my friend, and bring me pages. It'll free me, the innocent one. And of course, you'll be richly rewarded once I am free. No, you Not just so switch places. Right. You're, you will get to find out what it's like to be stuck in a book forever. Yeah. Um, but the green book that they kind of had to reveal to you contains Atris. Hey, it's the guy that's been leaving us notes. The guy who signs all of his journals. Smart dude. <laughs> Who says, don't free either of my sons. Please help me find the, find the one page missing from my book and free me. Because he too is trapped away somewhere in a book. Yes. Which I do wonder how they all trapped each other. Well, we do learn from what Atris was saying that he imprisoned his sons because of what they had done, which also threatened Atrus's wife, Catherine. Yes. So at least we know that he. And I believe he even says that he he imprisoned them in the books. While he went and investigated what really happened and who was really to blame. But then he was imprisoned himself. Yeah, because they've like trapped his way back. So it's a one way passage in front of us. And that's an important thing. All of these books are one way. Yes. You can't just go backwards. You have to find another book that takes you back. Right. On the Island of Mist, where you start out, there is a book that brings you to you know, an age. But to get back, you have to find a book, that, that, a book of Mist, a book that will bring you back to Mist. Mm-hmm. And there is a final puzzle that you can do and obtain either a good ending by going and visiting Atris with the final puzzle completed and bringing him the thing he needs the page that lets him go back to mist or you can just go and follow him and he'll stand there and be like, 
You idiot. <laughs> now we're both trapped here. Congratulations. You, you came. Thank you. But you didn't bring the page needed to re repair the book that is our only way out. Exactly. And that is, it's, it's not a very complex story in that sense, but it's so spread throughout this wonderful world. And behind a bunch of puzzles, which I only like half of. Oh, I love Mist. I love the world. I love the setting. I play it at least once a year. I sit down and replay Mist, and I replay its sequel at least once a year. And I have pretty much ever since I got the laptop that I watched Donnie Darko on. <laughs> but I do not like all those puzzles. There is an entire age with a spaceship that I want to light on fire. I like relate to Sirius and Echinar for a moment. <laughs> There are things where it's understandable, but they frustrate me. Is that the one with the, the maze on rails? That's the one with the maze on rails that you have to do a keyboard puzzle. And I mean, like, like black and white keys on a keyboard puzzle to get into. Yes. And it's, oh, goodness. Are my speakers well tuned? Do I have an ear for music? Because I can't do this, please. It's a it's a puzzle that they've had to fix later on. Oh, because it's got trouble. Um, but yeah, there's there's sound puzzles. There's some that I love. There's rotational puzzles and time puzzles and a pipe puzzle, which are fun and interesting, even if the pipe one's tedious sometimes back in Channelwood. But the, some of them are frustrating as anything. I, I would I'm fine. I love playing the game, but I do gripe and grumble my way through stone ship. And I just think of it as the rocket age every single time because they annoy me. And the names of these ages, if you just as, as you've just shared some of them, they are so evocative. Yes. And they're so powerful. They, they set this tone that brings together these disparate kinds of technologies in a way that makes mist what it is. Mm hmm. And it is, it's layers of puzzles in that on the Island of Mist, you have to solve puzzles to get into the iconic structure, usually, that, that, that brings you to the linking book that lets you go into one of the other ages, where you have to then solve a bunch of puzzles to find the red and or blue pages, and then you've got to solve a bunch of puzzles to find the linking book back to mist. Yeah. Usually there's like a main core puzzle and then two branching puzzles and the, the escape puzzle. Right. So like every single one of these five ages has four puzzles in it. And that means you've got 25 puzzles of intrigue and interest and notebooks and story sprinkled throughout that all add to the narrative about the Cirrus and Akinar about Atris and his wife, Catherine, about what has happened and what they do. They, they write these worlds, they write ages, these books that have these properties to take you to the places they write about. And that's important because, you know, we've just listed all these layers and layers of puzzles that you have, and it would be very easy, and I've heard this criticism, that it doesn't matter how nice and naturalistic and cool the images look, it's all so unrealistic because... All of these abstract puzzles are just there. But they're not just there. Yeah. In, inherent in the setting is the fact that every one of these was created by a creative person. Essentially, these are 
theme parks designed to hide valuable stuff. Yeah. If if you've got someone whose entire whose method of magic is writing worlds, there's this engineering but narratively focused kind of construction as he builds giant safes embedded <laughs> yes. into the world he lives in. And it's beautiful to see and it's so interesting because you you're you're learning about this man atris by the world he's made and you're learning about his sons cirrus and akinar by what they did in it and there's this you know he's got this respect and this interest and this focus on building these complicated things and cirrus and akinar are just like oh what can i take from it they 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 look at this surface level and scrape off of what they off of it what they want they break machines for pieces and you have to solve your way around the broken parts sometimes. It's interesting. But it's not perfect. Some of those puzzles are frustrating and not in a, ooh, my brain is fascinated and I feel like I'm getting a mental workout doing it. No, it's just in a, if I hit my head against the keyboard a couple times, maybe it'll solve it for me. <laughs> Frustration sometimes. Well, you mentioned the, um, the musical notes puzzle. Or the uh, the rocket ship age. Any others that you are really way down on your list that you don't like? There is the there is I'm trying to remember the name of it, but the gear leads to an age that's a giant house on a rotating platform. And you've got to rotate it to four cardinal directions, and you know where it's rotating based on the sound it makes. Oh yes. I love getting to that puzzle. It does the best thing spoilers again for a piece of mist you've got to send an elevator down and then get on the top of the elevator to control stuff which is just the most brilliant place to hide your giant fortress control system it is annoying as anything just to move around because you've got to go back to the middle and wait for an entire animation to spin up and then stop it with the with the handbrake in time to just leave yeah, there there are some times when the the stately pace of movement in the world of mist and its associated ages uh, can try the patience. Yeah, because you you really do have to wait for things to happen. Now they do a good job of depicting them as these big old mechanical things that are going to take a while to work. So it's not just I'm waiting for my computer to be able to show me the next image. It's I am here in this world waiting for this big machine to take its next step. Absolutely. But still, sometimes you're waiting there for a while. In some ways, it always felt it always feels to me like Mist was intended to be played over the course of multiple days. Mm -hmm. That they kind of expected you to play through through like three days where you explore Mist itself and you solve a puzzle and you go to the age and you finish it and you come back and then you save. And then you come back the next day and play another one or two of them and you do it piecemeal just because of the the time and the pacing does that to you. It's it can it weighs down on you if you play the whole thing all at once. And that is certainly how we played it. Mrs. Darling wife and I, uh, we played an age or two and then on a Friday night and then maybe the next week we would play more. And that also makes sense because I was hearing some of those soundtracks and some of those <laughs> those pings and that whooshing sound through the bedroom wall for multiple nights. <laughs> Maybe it will really seep into my mind there. But that's something they've also dealt with over time because Mist has been made again and again. 
Hmm. But let's talk about that after we finish our, uh, after, as part of our ending stuff, which we'll get to in just a bit. So if you're liking what you're hearing here at the Intermillennium Media Project, you want to support us and support when dad takes back over or when I get to, to creep in with one of my memories and such, we ask, bring us more Patreon pages over <laughs> at IMMP's Patreon page where you can hear exclusive content. You can support us and all we're doing. And we even have uh, other ways to do so. Send us an email uh, from our website, immproject.com. Uh, we've got a P.O. box as well if you want to send us physical goodies. And we thank you for all your support. And most important, tell your friends, rate, review, let exactly. people know about the podcast. Exactly. And where can they find you online for all of that as uh, well, Dad? Uh, you can find me at bymatthewporter.com. That's where you'll find links to anything I'm doing online, including YouTube, where you will hear me review strange events like the Roswell UFO Festival or every single visit I make to an Alamo Drafthouse movie theater. Mm -hmm. And Ian, where can people find you? I can be found at itemcrafting.com or itemcraftinglive on Twitch and itemcrafting on YouTube. But we're leading into our final questions. This and, means, and there's a lot to talk about. With there's the final a lot. Questions. We I kind of plenty of time. I left us plenty of time because this is a deep one. Mist has so many remakes. It does, and this this is forcing us to think about the difference between a remaster and a remake. Yes, because those those are different things. It's not as if someone took the idea of Mist and completely redid it with no reference to the original, the way you can see in a lot of, let's say, movie remakes. No, the original, the original creators, uh, Ryan and Rand Miller, the, the, brothers, the Miller brothers here, they've made this game over and over and ported it with their company Cyan Worlds to multiple other platforms and rebuilt it from the ground up for new devices over and over. They made Myst and later on, they made Mist Masterpiece Edition, where they re-rendered scenes, they cleaned up video and audio, and they made a brighter, bigger version. Essentially something that was not constrained by the computing power of a, of a 1990s Mac or PC. And if I'm not mistaken, that wasn't constrained at, by having to fit it all onto a single CD. No, no, that was, yeah, that was re-rendered as 24-bit true color instead of the original 8-bit color of the original mist with remastered score and everything oh and speaking of those low bit rates and that small size we alluded to it but we didn't really talk much about some of those uses of video yes and that is so many of the so many of the in the interactions in mist there's this beautiful pre-rendered image and there's one little thing in it that is moving you've you've triggered something and a secret staircase is opening or you what what they do several times is you are you've stepped inside a little pod or an elevator or something and only what you can see through the little window in the door of the elevator that is moving and it gives you the impression that everything is moving and that you are moving it is such a great way to use the fact that they can only put those tiny quick time videos on there and but they mask them with the, the pre-rendered video. They do that over and over. It becomes part of the style of Myst, but it was an ingenious way of working with that. Did they keep that when they had the ability to give you more 
video. They did some things. They had the old video that they just didn't compress as hard. Some things they had to re-record. And the re-recording is funny because all of the actors are the staff at Cyan. <laughs> Atris is played by Rand Miller, one of the brothers who helped make the game. So as they remake it, if he has to re-record something, Atris gets older. <laughs> But it's interesting also because you can hear this, you know, behind the scenes stuff about the making of the game. And it's him speaking just like Atris, just with a little less gravel, a little <laughs> less acting vibrato in his voice. But it's, it's kind of funny where it's, you know, the same man who's talking about you know, the book falling into the fissure. It's like, well, we rendered this in hypercard and it was really difficult because this it's same voice. And I'm like... <laughs> I kind of love this fact. The fact that it's low budget, it's it's homemade enough that that becomes an issue is part of the charm. And that made so much sense. I, I, I was not the least bit surprised to learn that in the 90s, that these were the people behind the game who dressed up and did the little bit of acting that was needed. Because, you know, this is the 1990s and video games were not getting a lot of, I mean, they were, they were already quite a business but they weren't getting a lot of attention it's not as if you'd be able to hire a-list or b-list actors to be in your video game so yeah you've got a bunch of friends or you game devs suit them up and and have them record exactly and so they made they remade the game uh you know a few years later for masterpiece edition and then it was the year 2000 the game's been out almost a decade it's huge. It's big. It's sold millions of copies. And they team up with a bigger name. They team up with Ubisoft to make Real Mist, which is the entire game rebuilt from the ground up in 3D now. As a true 3D navigable, navigable environment. You can walk around. You can solve puzzles. There's new puzzles added in an extra bonus ending. To tie in with the fact that there's later games now, there's sequels, there's spinoffs, there's book series that explore the world further. They they kept branching off from Mist and explored more of this world that they'd built and the worlds, the ages they'd created. But they made real Mist, which is amazing. And that was in 2000. And then in 2014, they made real Mist Masterpiece Edition, upgrading <laughs> it all over again. Mostly because Ubisoft owned them at that point. Ubisoft purchased the game outright and made the last Mist game, sometimes even without them. So the game was original game was by Cyan, and then Ubisoft bought Cyan? Bought the Mist franchise from them. Oh, just didn't, didn't buy the whole company. I don't believe bought they bought the, the whole company. They bought the Mist franchise after the third game, which okay. they'd been working with Ubisoft on. But over time, Ubisoft took more and more of the series. But eventually. Ubisoft sold them back the rights. And in 2021, they remade it again in full 3D for VR. And they just titled it Mist, which makes searching for this game hard sometimes, <laughs> I'll warn you. But this game keeps getting remade and they keep porting it to new devices. This is all just PC and Mac releases. I own a copy of Mist for the Nintendo DS. Mostly because it's the best version I've ever found for speedrunning. 
Nothing like a game that is still using the old hypercard images on a device fast enough to load them at near supersonic <laughs> speeds and with a touchscreen for some of the most annoying puzzles. I can beat Mist in like a couple of minutes by ignoring everything but the final puzzle on my DS and just zipping through the whole thing. Speedruns of Mist look weird. Now, I have experienced little bits of real Mist. Okay. And I'm curious as, as to what you think, because this, it was a game that, that I really enjoyed, but it was more formative for you. How do you feel about real Mist versus the original Mist? Mist made in a, uh, a full 3D environment. Having played all five of those main versions, I've played through Mist, Masterpiece, both real Mists, and the newest one. They all feel different because there's something about that original point and click adventure where that, those limitations are what built this world. But I play enough games nowadays that walking around mist in full 3D just feels like what my mind filled in the gaps of anyway. It feels like mist to me still. I just happen to be able to, instead of waiting to go around all the trees on the path, I can say, oh, I know where that is and walk straight there. And they had to prepare the fact that that's walkable now. And I appreciate that. It's, it's a little different, but it's honestly approachable to newer players a lot more. And it still has some of that feeling. I, I can understand that approachability, and it, 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 it makes things more inviting for, for newer gamers, for younger gamers. I don't really like Real Mist. There are plenty of full 3D games that I really enjoy, but when it comes to Mist. I miss those constraints. Hmm. It's not supposed to be this giant world that I can go anywhere in. It's supposed to be something where it's presenting me something that I could get to. I, I, I can and must stare at for a while to figure something out. It's almost, it feels a little bit like the, uh, the live action remakes that Disney keeps making of their oh. classic animation and they and others say live action. There's no very little live action. There's not a lot of live action in the live action, uh, a Lion King movie photo realistic. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But it just, it's, it doesn't seem necessary and something is lost. Okay. You make me a live-action adaptation of Howl's Moving Castle, it's not going to have the impact of Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli making this animated feature. I kind of feel that way. I'm, this may seem like a, uh, I'm exaggerating, but I kind of feel that way about Real Mist. Yeah, it's less constrained, but wanting it to be less constrained kind of misses some of the point, in, in my view. I can get that. For me, I'm I'm think I think of Mist, and I'm I've got you know, you know all these ki these things as a kid, and then my mind immediately jumps to like games on the GameCube, where that movement and that sort of stuff became integral to me, and so it becoming 3D just fits. I, I but that's because that. my context has that 3D movement being what video games are like soon enough that that constraint didn't click with me the same it's still something i love i still love point and click adventures with that flat scene by scene there's something handcrafted about it but it doesn't disrupt me as much that's interesting and i think you've you've hit upon something there where 
you did not live through the development of video games to the point of Mist and Beyond. Mm -hmm. Whereas I had the experience of starting with Pong and then 8-bit Mario games and then 16-bit games and eventually CD-ROMs. And now there's this thing. Yeah. And by the time I was... Therefore, yeah. it, it had, I had, there was more context in which this had a position that it fit. Mm -hmm. And pushing it into a different position didn't make as much sense to me. Give, give me cool, full environment 3D puzzle games, but they don't have to be missed. By the time I was playing Mist, it was already an older game with a legacy, a sequel coming out, having already come out, but by the time I was hearing about it, it was an older game with a sequel on its way. Yeah. It was established, so it, it blends into a different era of gaming for me, and I just feel like it caught up sometimes. I also, as a fan of these kind of games, as a fan of Cyan Worlds' productions and everything else, and all of their stuff in general, I love the different versions, though, because they each have unique pieces, unique feel. Some of them have funny bits that they added in reference to other versions they've made. They've put little like extra guides or I think there's one of the versions of Mist. If you fail the notes puzzle in the spaceship enough times, it simplifies itself for you, <laughs> assuming you're having like speaker trouble. Like it ah. gives you grace period on what's what you can hit at what time or I mean, there's like hidden photos of the developers cats. If you go to certain places in a lot of their games and things like that, and I've explored and found those and I love them as well. So I play through all the different versions, but the new ones feel just as missed to me as the old ones. And the newest one is even more impressive. I think it's a, a major full 3d remake built for the newest machines. And it's, very vibrant and very interesting to get to see this classic game rise again. Well, that's kind of neat. I like that idea that they, they are each, each iteration, each version is adding something new. It is building upon the experience as opposed to attempting to supplant the yeah. experience of the original mist. And I can appreciate mm -hmm. that. Yeah. They've never, they've never removed a version from steam. I think. Oh, that's good. They've got all five on steam. You can just buy them. So that's wonderful. And talking about the, the position of Myst in that development of video games, that video game history, I remember very clearly when Myst came out, and I hadn't gotten to play it yet, but I was reading everything I could, and, and seeing features in, like, the Washington Post and real serious newspapers about this game, and the writers saying things like, this, so many people are obsessed with this, this, this game on a computer, and then I, and the, the writer saying, and then I looked at it and, and are, have, are video games art now? Yeah. And I'm reading this saying, well, great for Cyan, but you, Cretan, you Philistine, video games have been art for years. Yeah. Donkey Kong was art. The fact that this looks like a pretty picture is not what makes it art. Uh, so I was both encouraged and really annoyed by some of the, the journalism around Mist with this idea, well, finally, this has become art. The fools. But so in the end, the question becomes our classic things. Dad, Mist, play or no play? Play. Play. Absolutely. This is an play. absolute play. Yes. You've, if you haven't experienced Mist before, A, 
thank you for joining us on this. We, I probably confused the life out of you with getting to gush about this favorite <laughs> game of mine for so long. But also, it's a wonderful experience. And as we've described, there's a lot of versions that you can approach and play, whichever works for you. There's like, play the original. Yes, I get, I get you. <laughs> play the original on a CD on a, uh, a Pentium 2. You want to learn how to bunny hop and speed run <laughs> mist? I'll, I'll grind that on Twitch later. I might actually play some when this comes out on Twitch if I can. But the next question is the revive reboot rest in peace. We've just described that there's so many remakes. Well, that's what I want to know. What does this count as? Has it been revived in our terms? Revival means the story continues in some way in the same continuity. Yes. Yes, it has. Yes, 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 very much. Yes. So. If you think I like Mist, if you've listened to all of this and think I like Mist, you have not heard me talk about Riven. <laughs> I'm actually nervous that I will I will make an episode too long for us to post if I made this about Riven. We can deal with. We that. might deal with that in the future because Riven is amazing, and I'm so excited they're doing the the full VR remake thing for Riven too. So they're still like <laughs> not letting it go in the best way. But they made Riven. They made. The third game, Exile. We don't talk about the fourth and the fifth game. <laughs> the, a lot of people are like, the fourth and the fifth game are something. Maybe they're not missed. They're fun, but they might not be. And there's the books, which are weird. Like, full-on alternate histories and strange, almost Cthulhu-y wildness going on book series side things. It's a deep world. You can keep digging if you want, but they kept going. So there's a lot to missed in the revive section. Okay, so this has definitely been revived. Yes. Has it been rebooted? That's the thing. I don't know because they never they never made it to keep going again. All they did was repolish and rebuild the first chapter. It's like if you were to go back and remake uh the Fellowship of the Ring. But try to make it immediately tie in so that you can watch the Two Towers and Return of the King from Peter Jackson's version and keep going. And some of those versions that you talked about were like taking an old movie, taking a movie from the 1930s where it was constrained by camera technology at the time and by the condition of any remaining prints or negatives and digitally remastering it so that it looks better on a modern screen. That's great. I wouldn't call it a reboot. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a remake of that movie. So, it's, I, I would say that it has not been rebooted, because it hasn't, the, the, the real mist notwithstanding, it hasn't been remade from the ground up yeah i can make comments about how the fourth one takes things from the first and throws them out the window <laughs> and call it a closest thing to a reboot by ignoring part of its own own like origin point what is is that a deboot i guess it's a deboot it's a it's i don't know but that's the best i can think of but they yeah they haven't rebooted mist they've just repolished they've right. re they've refurbished yes Revive, refurbish, or rest in peace is what we got going on here. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll be changing on, our vocabulary to try to get that uh, HGTV licensing deal. On this episode of This Old Video Game, we're going to be tearing up these old quick times and replacing this with MP4s with a nice shine on them. <laughs> uh, uh, so I don't know, but I, I kind of, I don't know if I want them to like change the story. I, if we were talking about later games, if they said that they were going to ma- remake the third one in the full VR style and then run in a completely new direction i'd be like yeah that's a reboot i can get behind but for mist itself i don't think it needs a reboot or a remake or you know i think it's a rest in peace but i kind of it's weird how do you rest in peace something that's still alive in this sense everything i just said about those refurbishments notwithstanding i would probably say i don't I don't need more revivals. Yeah. Though, if you've got a really good story, sure, lay it on me. I don't need reboots. I don't need a completely redone mist with uh, who would play Cirrus and Akinar? The the uh, the Wilson brothers. Oh goodness, that would work. <laughs> yes, I absolutely. You brought me a red page. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Brian Cox is uh, as actress. Oh, yeah, they're they're going for a lot more of uh, CG has gotten better that they can make character avatars in the newer things, and they've replaced them with anime characters partially because the staff can voice them still, but they can't play them anymore. Oh, but that I don't know. I, I yeah, see, CG a tr- real person on screen was just such an amazing event it at was. any time during these games because everything else was so quiet and desolate that. Yeah, it being just another bit of You're, computer rendered something would would it'll lose. I, I will say that is one thing that the new ones lose a little. It's a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit like the character design, like the character animation in the games of, in the Mass Effect games, and that sort of thing, where it's like plenty of animation, plenty of talking, plenty of good structuring and work, but it is not a person it's a cg thing although this just makes me think of calling it mist effect and i kind of like that for the next two days i'm just gonna hear owen wilson saying wow i could really use some more blue pages (laughs) don't free my brother (laughs) yeah oh goodness um so yeah i think it's the most loving rest in peace it's a rest in peace with a wonderful little plaque and a very large, wonderfully complicated puzzle, keeping its tomb nice and safe. And, and keep refurbishing it yeah. if you have to, but otherwise, you know, let it rest in peace. Absolutely. I think, I think yeah, we're landing on the same point here, but I, I'm just so glad I got to talk with you about this because <laughs> you introduced it to me. You played it, and I was so aware of you playing it back in the day. And so I borrowed your copy. I wanted to play it, and I loved it. And... I think I still have your copy. So I might need to give that back to you. <laughs> but I don't think I have a machine that would play it. So. Understood. I'm, <laughs> it's all yours. Thank you. I love that game. I love that series. And it means a lot to me. I went into industrial design. I learned how to make things in the real world. And the wondrous wild creations of Mist and the other worlds and ages Atris wrote in his sto- in the stories of these games were part of the inspiration of what the sort of things I wanted to make are. So this game helped make something 
happened in me it changed how i think about the world and it changed my perception in such a beautiful way and so i'm thanking you i think that's terrific and there's something else i want to mention to you i don't know yes. if you remember what we used to play a lot of games with toys and things spread out on the living room carpet okay for several months there very often on usually a saturday you would want to play a game where you set up little regions of stuff <laughs> in a part of the living room and then another little collection of stuff in another part of the living room and you would explain to me the rules about what you had to do in this place in order to get to that other place and once you got to that other place you had to do a thing you would recreate your understanding of mist <laughs> on our living room carpet and walk me through playing it oh my goodness i was trying to write ages with my legos it was wonderful oh, but it was a combination of uh, i think your captain tom pirate figures and your uh uh and it was some legos and some stuffed animals and all kinds of things <laughs> that it was little elementary school me <laughs> even then it wasn't just a, oh this is a cool thing to experience it was immediately of it was immediately Hey, this is an interesting thing. How do I recreate it and expand it? Oh, goodness. That was, was such a part of your personality from the very beginning. I was trying to reach into the screen and pull things out of <laughs> digital worlds way earlier than I thought I was. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. that is... I, did, I don't remember that at all. Oh, those are wonderful so memories true. for me. Oh, <laughs> I'm so happy. Oh, yay. So I was really glad you wanted to talk about Mist because yes. it reminded me of all those. Oh, good. Oh, this series means so much to me. So thank you all. Thank you all for joining us on this trip on further adventures. We will get to do into video games now. Yes, you've we've opened up a whole new kind whole of new media. Category. A lot of a lot of takeovers I have planned in the future are going to come back to this well. But I know that you talked. We talked about the fact that you've got entire other eras of gaming that I have known by the fact that they're the origin point for things I love, if not because I played them first. So I'm excited to have opened that door for you as well to be able to bring these in. So, yay! Yay, video games! And given the nature of video games, I think this means that we may have to expand some of these topics beyond the podcast into things like live streams or videos on our YouTube channel. So, so keep an eye on our website, keep an eye on our YouTube channel, uh, because if we go into video games, uh, you'll find some more stuff there as well. Exactly. So thank you so much for coming to join us. And we are excited when Dad takes back over into another standard episode of the Intermillennium Media Project. And in the meantime, go find some old stuff to watch. Erase this message after you viewed it, just to be safe.